This sermon was recorded Sunday, June 21st, 2020. In this Father's Day message, Pastor Bobby Wood looks at the faith of one man and how his obedience to God saved his household and made him an heir of righteousness. Jesus said in John 15, Out of the vine you're the branches. And without me, you can do nothing. If people could only see how much they need the Lord, amen, and realize how dependent we are upon Him. Mm. I'd like to invite you this morning for a few minutes, preacher minute, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> You ever think we preach long? Just be thankful you're not sitting in a waiting room at a doctor's office, or the dentist's office. Amen. We're not that bad. We're very likable people. Us preachers, we are. Uh, I'm glad. I appreciate the Lord letting me have my dad and my son and my grandson. It's just a blessing. I'm so blessed in the Lord. And, just so grateful to God and, and uh, you know we need to tell each other more often and, uh, let's not take folks for granted. Amen. We're blessed for you God. Thank you dad. Love you. Um, how do you how do you uh, measure a man? I don't know, a few years ago, several years ago, there was a, a, a group called For Him <clears throat> who come up with a song called The Measure of a Man. Really great song, great lyrics, just everything's really good about it. Uh, the Measure of a Man. <clears throat> and according to the Bible, you don't measure a man by stature. Remember, Jesse tried that. When, uh, no, Samuel thought, you know, Jesse's boy, it's a big boy, yeah, and it's Nazem, and it ended up little David, little ruddy fella. You don't measure a man by his wallet. You don't go down the road and say, so-and-so owns a thousand acres, he's worth da-da-da-da-da. Well, if he don't know Jesus, he, there's no worth there. You don't measure a man by his wallet. Jesus said a man's life does not consist in what he possesses. Right? right? You don't even measure a man by his religion. Well, I go to this church or that church or I'm in this denomination or that and I have... You don't... The Bible says in Matthew 7, Jesus said a lot of people, a lot of religious people are going to stand before me and say, Lord, I did all these things in your name and he's going to say, so? <clears throat> I never knew you. So you don't measure a person by that. You don't measure a person by their titles and degrees. Right? When I open my Bible to Revelation 20 and I see men at the great white throne judgment, John says, I saw small and great stand before him. So think about that. One of the ways I measure a father 
And I don't know how else to say it, but I know that my Bible tells me that down the road somewhere, there's going to be a lake. A lake of fire and brimstone. Is that what your Bible says? And my Bible tells me many people will be cast into that lake of fire. And so to me, a good father is a father that's going to do everything in his power so his kids don't go into that lake. Because after all, my goodness, you know, this life is so short and temporary, but that lake goes on and on and on and on. You see, I did not believe for one minute, and it was so ingrained in my heart and soul that my kid, that I would, that my wife and I was to leave planet Earth and spend eternity in God's beautiful heaven, but my kids not go with me? No way. <laughs> but I just didn't, we just didn't sit back and, you know, own anything. We took them to hear the gospel. We tried to be good examples before them. But to me, that's the measure of a man. Who, who, I'm not even going to get into the stuff of the world that we get caught up in. I think it's good that a dad would go to his ball game with his son or go fishing with his son or whatever, but that's not commanded in the Bible. That's good. But what's commanded in the Bible is he bring him up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's Bible, amen? So what makes a father successful? Well, in Hebrews 11, I just want to talk about a gentleman today that you're very familiar with, but I just want to give you some reminders today. Because let me tell you something. In the eyes of our world today, this father was one of the most unsuccessful men that ever lived. He is found in verse 7. By faith, Noah, his name means rest. He was, now look at these phrases. He was warned of God of things not seen as yet. Number two, he moved with fear. Number three, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now, we know animals were associated with the ark, but Noah didn't build the ark primarily for the animals. If you look at that phrase, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And that word saving is, is the word literally used throughout the Bible in the New Testament for salvation. By doing this, indirectly, he condemned the world. And he became an heir 
of the righteousness which is by faith. So the book ends on this verse is by faith, by faith. That's how God measures a man. By his faith in Jesus Christ. As I said, according to the standards of our world, Noah was unsuccessful. Over a hundred years, he built a boat. And we say out of the whole world, only eight people out of his world. Now, but here's the thing. He was totally, totally, 100% successful. Because he only built the boat for eight people. I've heard people say, oh, the Bible says there's going to be more people in hell than in heaven. So? So, as if the devil has some advantage in bragging rights over Jesus, can I remind you in John 6, 39, that Jesus said, all the Father has given to me will come to me, and I will not lose one? Can I tell you, when all the saints are in heaven and everything's over, now we're looking at eternity, every single person elected by God saved by Jesus, sealed with the Holy Spirit, will be there. Amen. And the devil will never be able to say, nah, 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 nah. It's done. Because if you look at Jesus, I don't know how TV, a lot of TV ministers, I'm not picking on all of them, I don't know how a lot of them get by with what they do. Well, I do because you, listen, listen, if you want to preach health, wealth, and prosperity, you cannot use Jesus as an example. He had a bald tomb, a bald donkey, and a bald robe. He had nowhere to lay his head. But he was the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? But in our, in our world's eyes, ministerially, Jesus, when he died, he didn't write any books. He didn't write any songs. He didn't build any big cathedrals. He just had a handful of people. So literally, he was in the eyes of the world an unsuccessful person. But I want to tell you, you know better than that, and I know better than that. Jesus Christ is 100% perfection and successful. Amen. And so I think what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say and what he's always tried to say, friends, uh, is ultimately what matters about every one of us and, and, and what parents should keep in the forefront. I mean that literally the forefront of everything they do and say is this, is that our kids are more than physical, they're more than emotional, ultimately they are spiritual. We are all spiritual entities. Do you see that? We're, we wasn't evolutionized. We're not animals. We're people who live forever and ever and ever. And so I want to tell you something. What I want to keep in the forefront is forever. What do I want to be when I leave this world and I'm going to be that forever? I want to be saved. Amen. That's what I want to be. Yep. Because one day, these buildings, these chairs, this moment, nobody will ever talk about this world anymore. It'll be history forever. And so how do we convince, and I know you're in this thing with me, how do we convince folks around us, folks we love, 
that that what we are and who we are and what we do spiritually is the most important thing about us. Noah. There's two things in this verse I want to bring to your attention. I want to start at the bottom of the verse, and there's two kinds of faith here. There's salvation faith, and we'll call the other one submissive faith. Did y'all get that with me this morning? Okay. Now, salvation faith is this. At the end of the verse, by faith, Noah became an heir of the righteousness which you get by faith. Okay, are y'all listening to me? Did you get that? Okay, let me let me put it to you in plain terms, okay? And I want you to, let me, can I get your spiritual brain ticking just a little bit? Let me put it to you this way. We're always talking about people will die and go to hell because they do this wrong, they do that wrong, and they do this wrong. Let me put it to you this way. Can I tell you people don't go to heaven and people go to hell not because of what they do, because but because of what they don't have. You ever thought about that? Yeah. I want you to think about it. Because let me tell you, thinking about it this way puts us all on equal footing. Because we all, you know, the whole world does wrong things and different things. But all on the same, all of us come into this world not only physically naked, but I want you to think about it. Here's one thing we lack is the righteousness of God. Now, I want you to think about that way because to get into God's heaven, you have to be. Now, hang on. Don't, don't miss, miss me or you're going to be off in left field. To get to heaven, you have to be able to present to God a 100% perfect righteousness. Now, you know and I know nobody in this room has ever lived it. You ain't even lived it after you got saved. And so the whole world is destitute, as being preached a few Sundays ago, the guy that liked the wedding garment couldn't get in. And so here's Noah, and Noah, like the rest of the world, he needed a righteousness. And he, he wasn't good enough. There's none righteous, no, not one. And none of us can live the Ten Commandments perfectly. We can never love God perfectly with our hearts. And so, listen, I'm, I'm preaching logic, Bill. This is the reason Jesus came. He knew we lacked. He knew we couldn't live up to God's standard. And so that's why he came. And that's why he lived a sinless life and kept the law perfectly. And he come to provide for us and to give us that wedding garment, to give us what we could not have. And how do you get that, Roger? You don't get it by being a good person. That contradicts the very reason he came. You don't get it by putting money in the plate. You get it like Noah got it. He became an heir of righteousness by faith. My trust in Jesus. I want to tell you years ago in that old hot country church, when I give my life to Christ, I took God and I gave him my robes of sin. My righteousness was as filthy rags. And I put it down at the feet of the Lord as an old sinner. And when I come and trusted Jesus, God like the father, when his prodigal boy came home, he got out the robe, the royal robe, and he put it on him. And I'm going to tell you that night, the father decorated my heart in the pure white linen of the righteousness 
righteousness of Jesus Christ, and therefore I'm heaven ready. Amen. I've been fitted for heaven. Amen. Dressed up inside. You can't see it on me, but it's in my heart. You know how you get it? How do you become an heir? An, heir, uh, an inheritance from an heir is a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, Amen. not of works, lest any man should boast. So every one of us in this room that are that have truly, sincerely put our faith in God's Son to save us are literally equal. They ain't nobody in this room more saved than anybody else. Yeah. There's nobody in this room whose sins are forgiven more than somebody else. I don't care how bad a sinner, it doesn't matter. If we trusted Christ, that faith puts us all on the same footing. Right? So let's talk about submissive faith. Because faith without works is dead. You see, if you don't have submissive faith, which is works, then it, it sort of, you know, takes away from salvation faith. And this is where we're all different. And I'm not being mean at nobody. I don't know your mind. I can't read your mind. And I don't know where you're at spiritually. But can I just be blunt? I don't know how else to preach. Some of you don't care about being any more for God than you are right now. You see, we're the same in salvation faith. But when you get to submissive faith, Lord, what will thou have me to do? That's where you start separating the chaff from the wheat. And that's what put Noah in the hall of faith. Is Noah wasn't just a guy that says, I believe in the Lord. He was a guy that said, Lord, what do you want me to do in this life? What did you save me for? I want to do it. I want to fulfill my purpose. And I don't want to be. I want to tell you the greatest need in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest need is some saints who will sell out to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to work up you. I, if you want me to be the water boy, I'll be the water boy. But Lord, I just want to serve you. And my dear friends, those are the ones that get put in the hall of faith. Those are, those are the ones that hear. Let me tell you, not every saved person is going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And Jesus tried to tell us this in more than one way when he said, I gave everybody 10 bucks and said, all right, my children, go invest that in somebody else's life. Go invest that in my service and in the ministry. And y'all know the parable. One guy, and this is all commission work if you will. Y'all know that parable. Let me tell you something, friend, and I'm just saying it just like the Bible says it. If all you want is to be saved, then that's it. That's fine. I can't change you and you can't change me. We can hopefully influence one another. But Noah demonstrates. Let me give you an example. Let's just get down here where we live. And it's so, you know, I can't preach against people that ain't here. They're not here to hear me. Right? Yeah. 
But you know what? You can be in church today and have no idea something may happen, make you mad, make you bitter, mess you up. And you won't be here no more. Am I right? Why am I saying this? Because of this very reason. When God did a miracle of saving faith in your life, you know and I know and I don't have to tell you but just maybe remind you that God is not in monkey business God saved you for a divine purpose and a reason and you might not be a celebrity Christian you might not be the best but I want to tell you something if you're a Christian in your heart you're going to know what God wants you to do and sometimes he may lead you in baby steps but let me tell you something there's a lot of saved people, and I just I don't know how to say it. There's a lot of saved people who do not give, who don't care whatsoever if they ever serve God. They don't care. We try to take up for them, especially if there's some blood. But I want to tell you something. You can't. How, how are you going to defend me if I'm out of the will of God? How are you going to defend me? I mean, you can try to make yourself feel better and take say, so, well, I'm a parent and, it, you know, it just adds to, to me. Who cares about me and you? Being a good Christian parent has no guarantee you're going to have a good Christian child. Let's just face the facts. Amen? Amen? But at the same time, we do have many promises in the Word of God that if we do our best with all of our heart to get them under the gospel of Jesus Christ and try to live before them the good life, then we just got to trust God in faith of all things in life and say, Lord, because I'm going to tell you something. You're looking at a preacher right now. I've done my share of backsliding. I lived enough of my Christian life that you would have never thought I was a saved person and nobody would have ever had me even looked at me for anything kind of ministry but here I am today because it's grace it's grace Amen. that's why I get so frustrated at, at, at church people who will condemn people who are out of the will of God we should pray for them quit gossiping I just have, you know how you know Boy, I don't know how I got off on this, but here we go, Lord. <laughs> you know how a spiritual gossip gets it started? Well, I got somebody I want you to pray for. And then here comes the defense. Oswald Chambers says, God shows you somebody's iniquity not to talk about it, but to go into the closet and intercede for them. Yeah. Amen. Noah. As I said, his name means rest. Noah's seventh great grandfather was Adam. His great grandfather was Enoch, who was translated. He was walking with God, and God just took him. When Noah was born, his father Lamech said, This boy is a gift, and he's going to give us rest. You see, you see, folks, you know what makes Noah so relevant to us more than probably any character in the Bible right now? 
because Jesus said, as the days of Noah were, yeah. that's how it's going to be right before I return. And the world was tired. It needed rest. Violence, hate, immorality. Every thought of man's mind was evil. People couldn't get along, wouldn't speak. Marital relationships tore all to pieces. The world was tired. And let me tell you something, Brother Elvin. When Noah opened that door, and there was only eight people on the earth, and the sun was shining, and the birds were singing, there was rest. The first name given to Jesus in the Bible, the first name in the Bible given to Jesus is Shiloh. The rest bringer. Don't tell me this world ain't getting tired again. You're tired. You're spiritually tired. You're tired of families that won't speak. You're tired of it all. And we're not going to go into the details. We're tired. You know why you're tired? Because Jesus is coming soon. And he's going to give us a rest. Amen. You think to step out of this world into God's house? That's rest. Can y'all just pause with me? I got one of these Salah moments. I want you, my brothers and sisters, to just take a minute. Now that your life is in Christ, and you're safe, and all your works, and all your toil, and here you are, you're just resting in the arms of Jesus. Don't that feel good? Don't that feel good? The world looks at us with the lens of sight. It's hard for them to understand where a mama and a daddy, a young couple, is taking their kids to church and they're teaching their kids about a a place called heaven that nobody's ever seen, a man called Jesus they've never seen, a God they've never seen, and they're dedicating and committing their life, their home, and their decisions to things not seen. When the majority of the world is whatever their eyes get, like eat, I want it, I want it, I want it, they live for the here and now. Jesus said in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and living it up and living for this world, basically, and they weren't ready. And you know what? That's the way it is today. Noah was warned of God of things not seen. That's the difficulty in preaching. That's the difficulty that we have today in witnessing. Is Sister Liz, you and I have to have this dynamic about us that that, that the power of the Holy Ghost has to be upon us. So whereby we can convince this lost and dying world we got to convince them in some small way, hopefully a powerful way, that these things 
are perishing. Stop living for the things of the world. Stop it. It'll kill you. It'll drown you. It'll ruin you. Don't do it. Build your bigger barns. But have you made your soul right with God? That's what matters. And we live in a world of this great contradiction of culture when spirituality is going to Colorado, sitting on a mountain and trying to find your inner self. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you find your inner self, I hope you do because you're going to find somebody that is sick and needs salvation. Amen. And I want to tell you, church, for me and you, come on, and I, I'm just weekly Sunday morning, and you give me the opportunity to come and just remind you to set your affections on things above and don't get so earthly-minded because, what well, enjoy life. I believe that with all of my heart. If God blesses you, enjoy it. Amen? Amen. And just live this life. If you want to have some things, have some things. But you know what I'm trying to say this morning, church? We have got to have something about was like Noah did. He stood out there and for over a hundred years he preached and he preached and he preached his little heart out. But one day you listen to what this preacher man said. Oh, I got to say it like that old time preacher Joseph Parker said it. He just came to my mind. He said that when, when old uh, Belshazzar and those wicked guys in the days of Daniel was having a party, they were, they were living it up, boy, and I mean they were having a big ball and they were so anti-God and Daniel said uh, there was some hand writing on the wall scared the socks off of them yep. you see Daniel didn't get invited to the party till somebody wrote on the wall yep. and you know what old brother Parker said <coughs> he said preacher just hang on they'll call you Sooner or later, boy, was he right. They don't want to come in here. A lot of people would never come and hear me preach. But if somebody dies, they'll tell you two things. Be nice and be short. But you know what we got to do? We got to tell them what the handwriting says on the wall. Yeah. We can't make it up. We can't fake it up. We can't give them what we think. All we got then is whatever God wrote on the wall. That's all we got to preach. No more and no less. I can be really nice about it. I can't, I can't smile as wide as Joel can, but I can be nice about it. But I've got to give you the truth. Amen. Amen. The truth. I did a funeral in Lexington, Kentucky. Never done one in the past or like it now. Jesus is calling you, Ronnie. Just let it go. They'll leave a message. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. I'll just make a long story short. I thought Daphne and I was in a presidential procession. This guy was a state trooper. And he was a young man. A young man with a wife and two little beautiful girls. 
So I'll try, I'm just make this quick to what I'm saying. Is Daniel, before he did this, and I hadn't seen him for a while, one day out of the blue when I was pastor at Shady Grove up in the center, Daniel and his wife showed up, and I'd never met them. And that Sunday, boy, that young man walked, and with tears in his eyes, and he got on his knees, and he gave his life to Christ. He called all of his family in. We had a great baptizing, and it was just good. But Daniel committed suicide. Things were going on in his marriage. He just he couldn't take it. So, I don't know who it was, but we're up here at the funeral, and there's badge after badge after badge of more badges than I couldn't imagine. Going through Lexington with troopers passing you flying to block off the next road and sirens. I mean, wow. This guy preceded me. He was a Mormon. And he took, I don't know how much time, but it seemed like forever, to try to explain why Daniel committed suicide. And he quoted the Mormon fathers. And I was looking at his Daniel's family and their heads were down and they were just, it was horrible. And I had to follow this guy. So I took all my notes and precious words I wanted to say and stuck them in my pocket. And I shared how this little boy walked that aisle and humbled himself like a child and give his life to Jesus. People were coming by saying, I'm glad God saved you for life. You see, friend, there's a lot of preachers out here just like that guy who want to tell you all kinds of junk. But I'm just going to tell you, I only got one sermon, and it's called Jesus. Amen. I don't know any song, any sermon, any prayer. You take Jesus out, you ain't got nothing but chaff. And I'm going to tell you, new life is nothing. Don't compare us with other churches. If it ain't about Jesus here, we ain't nothing but a social club. I'm telling you, church, you know why heaven is heaven, Harry? Do you know why? Because it's all about him up there. And I want to tell you, it'd be more heaven down here if we make it more about Jesus than this celebrity preacher, that celebrity singer, making about the Lord. David Simpson, you ain't worth a wood nickel if it wasn't for Jesus in your heart. And so it is with me and you and everybody else. Amen. He's the treasure in the earth and that's right. Huh? I'm just a clay jar, man. But in this clay jar, God put a jewel. Hallelujah. And I'm just like, oh, Gideon, bust me open and you'll see the manifested glory of God. I don't know how, Eric, we got from gossiping to glory, but we did. <laughs> and you never know. Watch out for them preachers without hopes. Let's close.
Noah. Noah didn't force his boys or daughter-in-laws into the boat. He didn't, like I seen, I shouldn't say this. Here I go again. He didn't drag them to the altar. He didn't drag them to the boat. He built and prepared the ark for his house. And the door was open for his house. Praise God, Mom and Daddy. You ought to give God a praise if your child is saved. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, moms and daddies here, there's not a week, and God's my witness, there's not a week that goes by that I don't just see all these kids God's blessed us with. And I try to see them coming to Christ. I try to see them as they reach an age in their life of accountability in church. I'm going to tell you, we better keep a spirit in its way. That's all they got. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Do whatever you want. The Holy Ghost has got to draw them. Amen. He's got to convict them. He's got to witness to their spirit that they're a child of God. It's a Holy Ghost thing. I will not do it. I will not call your child into this little counseling room and manipulate them. I will not do it. I trust in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I trust in the Spirit of the Lord, and I'm not ashamed of that. Call me old-fashioned and out of date, and you may have concocted your techniques, and I know I've been tomated and stoned for this for so many times, but I will not be silent. Amen. I will not be silent. You ain't, you all would be scared out of your sight. I have been behind the scenes. I've been on executive board meetings. I've been in crusades. I have been in a thick, a thick of stuff behind church doors that would scare the socks off you. You say, what are you talking about, Brother Bobby? I'm talking about preachers who are so hungry to have numbers, numbers, numbers that they're willing to manipulate your child. They're willing to take teenagers and do this artificial stuff, but I'm still old-fashioned enough uh, and uh, call it whatever you want. The Holy Ghost, when he does it, I'll tell you, if a preacher can talk you into it, a smarter one can talk you out of it. But if the Holy Ghost uh, witness to your spirit, you're a child of God, can't the devil in hell talk you out of that? Amen. 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 Thank y'all for those amens. Y'all start raising your hands and stuff, and I'll really preach. Y'all ain't seen, I'm telling you, y'all turn me loose. Amen. You know, as we close, wow, this is a bigger thought to close on than I can really grasp from you, too. Because some of you may not think about it. But if you're a Christian and you work at this particular place and you're trying your best just to, okay, come on, we all mess up. But everybody around you knows that you try to be the submissive faith Christian and do what's right. Can I remind you that at the great white throne judgment, for that person that worked with you, and rejected Jesus Christ. God's going to pull you down as a witness against him. A whole world 
that has to stand before the Lord and say, yeah, we heard that old guy preaching on that boat. He told us all, people get ready. Judgment's coming. And every peg, oh, he had a hammer just like that prophet, Harry. And every peg he drove was a sermon to that world who said, he's crazy. Never rain. Things not seen, Sammy. Can you imagine? Here we are talking about this nail-scarred Jesus. Can you imagine people that don't trust him when they see him that we what we say is true? I'm gonna tell you something. No one lived in hard times, folks. So do you. And if he can stand strong, so can you. Amen. And I want to tell you, we keep praying for fathers. We keep praying for mothers. And we keep standing as Christians. Call us crazy. Call us fanatics. Call us whatever you want to call us. Call us right-winged. Call me whatever you want. But you know the Hensons used to sing a song, call me anything you want. But when Jesus calls me, call me God. Amen. Don't give up on that loved one. Jesus is coming. Thank you for listening to this sermon from New Life Ministry. We pray that God has spoken to you through it. For more about New Life Ministry, including other sermons, videos, and service times, please visit our website at www.nlmky.org.